podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to the Danny Button Show, episode number 23, I think, maybe 24, I lose track. Mm-hmm. This is Ace Podcast Nation, and uh, we're going to talk some MMA this evening, no boxing on this week's show, because uh, the current MMA was back. We are raring to go, we got an exceptional main event to look at, or an exceptional main event performance, as well as some other things, we'll take some questions from the live chat. We'll continue our look at the rise of Jack Shaw with a special guest to have a look at it. And um, we're always, me and Danny, going to talk about UFC number nine uh, at the end of the show briefly as well. Um, this is a Sunday evening and a new slot for us. And uh, it's also the two days left for me of my, uh, my 17-inch long hair because um, as of Tuesday, it's been cut off and donated to the Little Princesses Trust, which uh, make wigs for kids and people up to the age of 27, I think it is, who've lost their hair through cancer treatments or uh, other illnesses. And I'm also raising money for Minds Charity, who's a mental health charity who help people with mental health issues. And uh, yeah, so if anyone would like to donate, the links are on my profile, on the podcast profile as well. And uh, I said, silly, silly that I did. I said that for every 50 quid that we uh, raised, that I would make a really ridiculous video uh, of me utilising my long hair, which I did. So um, the first one came out yesterday, I think it was. And uh, there's another one coming out tomorrow. And uh, if I think we're on about 200 quid now. So if we get to 250, I'll do another one. But uh, yeah, that closes on Tuesday. Of course, we got uh, all sorts of shows, podcasts, interviews on anything from combat sports to football to music, films. We've got a lot of good shows coming this week. Tomorrow evening, live, the Andy Campbell football show with uh, special guest Cardiff City chairman Mehmet Dalman, which is going to be a really interesting show because he uh, he doesn't do much media and he doesn't do many interviews. So we're going to talk to him about the ongoing situation in the world of sport and football, how Cardiff are dealing with it. Um, the Emiliano Sala tragedy, the book about it, and some other bits and pieces. We've got a, a show on Wednesday with Welsh rapper T Rev about mental health, his new album, and a few other bits and pieces, and uh, lots and lots more. But with no further ado, I'm joined by uh, former Cage Warriors champion, my usual co host, MMA legend, Mr. Danny Button. How are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm all good, sir. Enjoying this warm weather. Yeah, it's boiling. I'm like shining under these lights. And uh, of course, as well, another cage, former Cage Warriors champion, undefeated UFC bantamweight, Mr. Jack Shaw. How are you, my friend? Yes, mate. I'm all good. Making the most of a uh, little break from the sun for my ginger skin. Uh, turns me to <laughs> <laughs> So, first thing I wanted to ask you, Jack, actually, before we get into last night, really, was... What, how difficult is it for you as a fighter now with this break with the lockdown? And I know it's going to be lifted, looks like, quite soon. 
like how difficult will it be when you decide to take a fight in the because you got on one side you're raring to go you really want to get stuck into a fight but on the other side especially for someone like you who's undefeated got a big reputation and then you if you know you don't want to rush into it or take the wrong fight or not have enough preparation like how yeah. difficult is it to weigh those two things up uh, yeah, it's, it's obviously a cat 22. Uh, I spoke about this, um, I think it was back last week or the week before, like you said. Um, obviously, I am fought now since um, September, end of September last year. So that's, I don't, you know, I might be corrected by my old man, but I'm pretty sure that's the, the longest I've ever gone um, since about the age of 14 without, the, you know, without regular competition. And I'm usually fighting every sort of three, two, three months. I'm one of those guys who like to stay active. So it's been a while since I've actually um, uh, stepped in the octagon and I made the walk to the cage. Um, obviously, I had, the, I had a fight camp for, for the London card, but, but that didn't come through. So on, on one side, I'm, I'm you know, chomping at the bit to, to get matched up and get, get back into the swing of things. But obviously, um, on the other side, then, you know, we haven't been able to train properly for a couple of weeks. So I, I think it would be a matter of, you know... I, you know, the, the, the couple of cards you've had in the last sort of two, three weeks, I wouldn't be able to take a fight that short notice, sort of two, three weeks' time. I'd probably need sort of six to eight weeks minimum to um, to make sure I'm fully prepared more than anything. Um, I, I'm fit. I'm fit and healthy. Um, my cardio's pretty good. I've been, been doing a lot of running and stuff like that, but I just need that sort of time frame for the the sparring. And obviously, I haven't sparred. I haven't grappled. I haven't wrestled. You know, nothing with any live training partners sort of uh, probably pushing on 10, 12 weeks now. So it's one of them stuck in the middle. Yeah, it's a long time, isn't it? Like yeah. 10 weeks plus. Any news on a gym, uh, Danny, reopening? Well, I'm, I'm hearing different things about pro athletes being able to train together. Um, I just think we just need to establish exactly what that means. Uh, so we, we ain't potentially going to be going into doing something wrong. Um, but yeah, it seems like there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and it can't come quick enough, yeah, but it all bases on, you know, is it safe to do so? And ultimately, that's what it's all down to, really. If it's safe to do so, yeah, I can't wait to go ahead, but it's got to be safe. The interesting thing for me was that, um, like, obviously, they've reopened a lot of the football clubs now, like the, like the higher end of football. And uh, straight away, as soon as those players were back and the staff were back, you're seeing people testing positive for it, like mm. all over the place. There was a couple in a couple of members of staff in Cardiff. I think it came out yesterday. So like, that's the worry, I suppose. And it is the, when the gym's open is, is it just going to uh, kind of cause, you know, more issues, but like you say, hopefully back to normal soon. Yeah. Um. All right. So we had um, an interesting, Interesting card last night. I enjoyed the majority of it. There was a couple of really uh, enjoyable uh, fights. I thought Gilbert Burns' performance was pretty sensational because I um, I saw a lot of people writing Woodley off over the last year or so, kind of saying, or maybe saying that he might be finished. But I, I really rate him. I think he's an exceptional striker, really good wrestler. And I think... He didn't look it last night, unfortunately. Although, yeah, you know, he did come close with a couple of big shots, the big, big strikes. But generally, it didn't. He got outclassed in five over the whole fight. Um, 
just overall, uh, Jack, what did you think of the like the card generally? Yeah, obviously it was. It flew in, apart from the main event. It flew under the radar a little bit. There wasn't uh, too many big names on there other than uh, Gilbert and Woodley. So more often than not, they tend to be the more more exciting cards I find. And um, uh, there was there was a, some some class scraps on prelims, and then obviously the main card was was decent as well. But yeah, like like you said, um, I thought we would sort of see the Woodley of old. Um, I, I I know when he had his loss to Rooseman, he was talking on. Um, just talking on how he, his, his head wasn't in the game in, in a sense, like he had sort of TV shows and commercials and his rap album and stuff like that w- w- was all on the uh, all on the agenda for him. Um, whereas this one, I thought he may be a different breed because he seemed like he was just focusing on the fight. Um, but you know, maybe maybe he was on the ball and Gilbert Burns just, just came out with, uh, with with a fight of his life. But he, either way, he got shut down. I think. Um, you know, he had a rough first round. He got he got tagged in it. Uh, he got dominated then for the rest of that round, and, and pretty much the rest of the fight. I think there wasn't there wasn't any area where we didn't look as if Gilbert had the upper hand on him, which was which is surprising, especially uh, in the clinch and the you know against the case. I thought that would be would Woodley sort of game plan is to is to get him there and grind him out. But you know, all credit to Gilbert Burns. Yeah, absolutely. Towards the end. Towards the latter rounds as well, it felt like Woody, Woodley was retreating, not retreating, but he was going back more, um, which I think shows what a good job uh, Gilbert Burns was doing. Um, Danny, what did you think of the overall thing and Gilbert Burns? Yeah, yeah. Point? I thought overall the card was, was was pretty good. Okay, yeah, we talk about you know big names being on the card and what have you, but you know at the end of the day, an exciting fight is an exciting fight, and there was uh, a nice mixed bag of performances. Um, watching that. Billy uh, and his opponent going at it. The, the ginger lad. We've we've seen him before. It's a bit of a strange character, but my God, that was a, a hell of a fight. Really enjoyed that from start to finish. Really, really exciting performance. And of course, you know, I'm really a fan of watching the female bouts, and they didn't disappoint as well. No, we've been uh, we've been blessed in the last year or so with some exceptional uh, female fights, and then um, yeah. the finish to it was. Uh, which one was it? No, which one was? Sorry, I was just trying to think. I think it was the first fight on the main card. Was it? No, I don't know. I'll have a look in my notes. Now. The women, the women's were, yeah. I think that yeah. was the first main one, wasn't it? Yeah, but um, I was just trying to find it then. Yeah, it was it was all right. It was an enjoyable enough card. Um, okay, so let's have a look. Uh, uh, Jack, did you say you um you watched the prelims? You, Tim Elliott's uh, bout was uh, one you were gonna mention, wasn't it? Yeah, that was um that was just you know, chaotic from it was typical Tim Elliott. Chaotic from from the minute they said go. And I I seen uh, I can't remember where she tweeted. I woke up this morning right, and it was quite accurate. It was um, I think Tim Elliott a lot of the time he's that he's that sort of you know frantic and enjoys the scramble that much that he ends up putting himself in bad positions. And you know, you look at the first round. I think you know he, he did a number on the guy in the first round. Um, and then obviously come the second round, you just that. That much in a in that much of a rush to sort of enforce his game plan that it ended up, you know, putting him in a bad position and and also led to him getting submitted in the end and that, that you know it was, it was a great win for his opponent I, I can't remember his name but I think it was his first fight in the UFC uh, I think he said in the interview or something he's back to work tomorrow so you know it's um it just goes to show that you know you know these Tim Elliott is a is a title challenger and everything like that but you can't ever write down an off an MMA you know looking at it. 
on paper you would think that, that it would be a walkover, but you know that's not not ever the case. But it, that was a fun one to watch, as it always is with the flyweights. Oh yeah, and then you're exactly right, mate. It's um, Tim Elliott on paper. You'd have expected him to take in that fight, and there you go. It's job done. Um, Caitlin Shkagian obviously won by decision on the prelims as well. Uh, the first fight of the main card was Mackenzie Dern and uh, ha- Hannah Cephas. Um, Dan, what did you make of that one? It didn't last too long. but uh, Yeah, it didn't, didn't last too long, but th- they was going at it kind of fast, but the ladies seem to just do that. They don't seem to have much of a feeling out process. They just get straight to work. And um, uh, and these two was no, no different in that fact. Um, it did, uh, you know, Sivers was actually impressing me with her striking, but, you know, Dern, we know, is ultimately a grappler. That's where she was going to want to take it to try to get the win. Um, looked like she was going to struggle getting her there. But, you know, the way things worked out, she ended up getting into that leg lock situation. And, and from there, Sivers looked a, a little bit lost. She didn't do really the correct thing. She was being quite crude in her approach to try and pull out. But already the hip line was above that knee and got that belly down knee bar. Um, yeah, um, but Sivers is showing some improvements. But obviously she, she needs to address some some intricacies on the ground uh, to continue that move forward and advance in her own level. Yeah, I feel like we discussed that last time she fought that she looked pretty good on her feet, but yeah, when she got when her opponent got her hands on her or got, or got her to the floor, she struggled maybe a little bit. Um, yeah, it was nicely done by McKen- Mackenzie Dern to finish it. I like an, a, a good knee bar submission. I gotta say, what did you make yeah. of this one, Jack? Yeah, like you said, it's always um, it's always going to be an uphill battle when you start sort of getting the grappling exchange with someone like Mackenzie Dern. Um, you know, uh, she got a really good name in the grappling world before she even crossed over to MMA. So uh, anyone fighting, need to sort of keep it on the feet and and, and hope to win it there. Um, was there a first fight back since having a child, a kid as well? I think. Or yeah, I it? think it was. Yeah. Yeah. So she looked. I know she's had issues with the weight cut and stuff like that in the past, but you know, she looked. She looked. She made the weight quite easily. She looked looked in, in probably the the leanest we've seen her. So to like you said, they came out frantic like the women always tend to do. Um, but, you know, as soon as it hit the ground, there's always going to be a tough game then against someone with that sort of grappling um, experience and, and that sort of level technique. So, Dan, you mentioned that um, she was a bit crude in the way she tried to get out of the, the knee bar. What should she have done? Well, she shouldn't have been put in the knee bar, basically. Um, before then, she, she just tried to turn and run, but she did it. She was on her knee. She wasn't in a stood position. She should have been pushing that leg linkage down below her knee to then be able to kick out, but she didn't. She sort of tried to crawl out and that enabled her to uh, switch her hips over on top of the leg and then go belly down on the knee. You know, um, it, it, it's like she just tried to panic crawl um, rather than do the correct thing. She really should have been standing, putting all that weight on that leg and pushing the other girl's ankles down and then being able to strip out. But that wasn't the case. She she got caught in kind of deep and, and from there, it's always going to be a bit of a struggle. But even when she went belly down, she should have, should have turned the outside of her knee down to try to then come up onto onto the back of Mackenzie, but she let that leg go completely bolt out straight. And once you've got a bit of torque and a bit of pressure down on that knee, you, you can't kind of like get the turning that's needed. No, I know. I'm guessing that once the once it's in properly, it's not pleasant on that knee joint. So yeah, it's uh, the, the knee bar is actually quite a funny thing because uh, it, it don't initially hurt. It, it, sometimes it's a case that you're getting in a knee bar, you kind of tough it out. It's only when you go to stand and you notice there's no stability in your knee that something's been done. 
or it can just go with a bang. Uh, so, yeah, deep bars are a bit of a funny one, really. But um, I, I think uh, Sivas knew, knew best to just tap and, and go again for another fight without a rehabilitation of a nasty injury. I take it that she was OK. Um, you know, she stood up OK afterwards. So hopefully we'll see Sivers again. I think she's, she is a good fighter. Um, I just think she has a few issues to still be addressed. She is making improvements. Let's just hope she makes more of those improvements on the ground. Indeed. So um, Gaz just asked, uh, has Jack ever won with a knee bar? <laughs> no, I, I'm trying to think, not, not on an MMA fight. Um, my my sort of grappling, you know, the, I'm, not, I'm not a big sort of leg lock myself. I just sort of know enough... Um, fundamentals and enough sort of scenarios that keep myself safe then if I get into um, a sort of e or knee bar exchange of an eye level grappler. Um, I, I'm more obviously top top game, top pressure, ground and pound. Um, so I've never won I've never won by knee bar. I've had, I've had a couple of people throw a knee bar or a knee look attempt on me in a fight, but um, obviously fortunately I've, I've been able to defend it right. I'm trying to, I don't think I've ever had a, a grappling competition either or nothing like that. I've, I've been been knee bar in the gym and, and I've caught people in knee bars, but ne- but obviously never in a, in a competition. Fingers crossed, uh, I never do get caught in a knee bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. So, um, I just gonna say, so uh, John Wish just said hello, Jack Shaw, but um, he's the one who requested that we have a look at your kind of kick your rise up through cage warriors and into the UFC, which um, we're gonna do after we cover this card. We're gonna Jack's gonna join us for that. Um, and I think it's part, part five, isn't it? Uh, Dan, part five, part four? I believe. Part five, I think it is. Um, I'm terrible. I do far too many podcasts. I'm losing track of what numbers of what. Um, okay, next up was uh, Roosevelt Roberts versus Brock Weaver. Um, this was, it was quite an enjoyable fight, this one. I, 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 um, I enjoyed it. I, I thought both guys had their moments um, without looking massively like it was going to finish either way until, you know, until that second round. Um, Danny, what did you make of the the kind of first round? Yeah, to me, Roberts just looked so sharp with his striking. His outward game looked really, really sharp, I've got to say. Um, it always looked a case that Brock was always going to have to try to get a hold of Roberts and uh, try to make it a, a, a grapple fest and try and, uh, try and slow down Roberts. Roberts just looks so dangerous and sharp all the time. And, and you always wonder, is he going to catch him with one of those strikes or one of those guillotines? You know, he looks dangerous with those long, slim, slim arms. Um, yeah, so I've, I just found my eye was always casting on, on, on Roberts on whether he was going to be able to establish a, a, def, a definite finish in that first round. But, you know, it, fair play to Brock. You know, he still grinded it up really nicely. I think there was... I don't know whether there's some bad blood between them, but there was a little bit of talk going on, wasn't there? And they always intrigued yeah, me. Yeah, they were wouldn't they? Yeah, and um, that's the kind of like a nice flip side of what's happened without having no audience. We're now hearing the cornerman really clear. We're hearing what goes on um, between opponents when there's a little bit of talking going on. Um, yeah, I just found it interesting they was talking to each other. I've had it a couple of times in my career, and it kind of changes the dynamic of what's happening in there. Um, I suppose it personalises it a little bit more when there's a little bit of communication going on. Um, yeah, but I, I've got to say, Roberts was really impressing me. Um, I, I, I think this this guy is going to start to really be something. Yeah, he looked good. He, he did look very good. What about what did you make of that first round, uh, Jack? Yeah, like you said, it was it was a close round, but it, like you said, it was one of them where Robert sort of, in, in my eyes, he just looked a little bit better. Um, 
And he just looked like you said, we, it was sort of tough to fought. What was the name of the other guy you fought again? It was uh, Brock and Roosevelt. Yeah, it was, as, as tough as, as Brock was, it, it was sort of, it was tough to sort of see him, you know, you could you could just see the, the little bit of level, dif- uh, yeah, the little bit of, of difference that, you know, that, that Roberts had. He was a little bit better technically, and, and like you said, it, it was just, you were just always waiting to see if he was going to land one of them strikes or use them long limbs to sort of send something in. Um, but yeah, you know, it was it wasn't a, it wasn't sort of a whitewash as you would say, but it was it was a very good first round, and, and like you said, I think he's definitely a lot of potential he could go on and possibly look at climbing the ladder a little bit now. Yeah, I think so. Um... What about uh, that second round and the finish, uh, Danny? Was anything that you particularly noticed up from that second round? Yeah, I mean, just the, the shot that started to really take a hold on, on Brock. Brock started to really struggle. Um, he was started, you know, I think with that first round, you know, I've come to the conclusion that Brock was having to use a whole lot more energy to try to keep some kind of control over the situation. And as you begin to fatigue and you begin to lose control, um, you know, someone's shot like Roberts becomes super, super dangerous. And uh, yeah, he was he was just he's just getting outclassed. Um, he just looked like a beat behind as well on tempo. Uh, just the the sh- when I say that Roberts was just sharp, he's also really athletically quick, and um, it was just all too much for Brock. Um, yeah, Brock looks almost almost out of his depth. I don't want to say he was completely outclassed, but uh, it just seems that he had that style that made Brock not look good. Uh, he, he just never lo- really looked comfortable, and and the second round got so much show that, you know, it couldn't get through to the end of it, unfortunately, for him. Yeah, I thought Roosevelt Roberts looked, you know, he looked really good. Um, yeah. Impressive, to be honest. Um, John has just said in the comments that he thinks that Brock Weaver's got still, you know, still got a good future and a big future. He just needs to basically go and go just work on stuff. And is just because he loses doesn't mean he's done. But um, I think there was enough going on in that fight from you know uh, Roosevelt Roberts was dominant enough that you could if you're Brock Weaver you know you've got a lot to go away and just just work on and focus on I suppose yeah yeah I think it'd be good to see Brock maybe um, learn some like uh, you know some little flamboyant tricks just so he can get his opponents guessing a little bit especially if he faces someone like Roberts again he needs to trick his way into that clinch Whereas it just looks so obvious when, when he wanted to get Roberts up against the fence. Um, although, you know, Roberts, you know, in the criticism of his game, was allowing his back to get put up against the fence, it, you know, with those poor attempts. Uh, but I just think, you know, he wasn't, wasn't fearful to be there at the end of the day. But he will have to address that if he wants to move up the levels because um, there's, there's some really good fence wrestlers in, in that division. So he won't be able to get away with that with oh, everybody. Okay. Um, but, you know, that said, you know, if, Brock can just learn to have a little bit more uh, tricks to his game. I feel like he might be able to steer the fights more easily in the direction that he might want it to go. Um, and next up was uh, Billy Quarantilo versus Spike Carlisle. Um, <laughs> this one got off to a wild start. Um, <laughs> and to be fair to uh, Billy Quarantilo, he... Um, he said beforehand that he was going to go hell for leather straight off, and he did. He had stuck to his words. Um, Jack, what did you make of this one? Yeah, it was it was just chaotic from uh, from from the sort of opening bell. Um, is this Spike? Is the guy with the with the cornrows? I think was he? Uh, yeah. You no, know, he came, he comes out. I, I seen his last fight, and 
I'm, I'm sure you're the, I think it was DC said, I think he said that, you know, he's a one-round fighter in the sense he comes out to put you away in the first round. If it goes past the first round, the tie's going to start the turn, but, you know, you'll do well to survive the first round. And, and that's exactly what happened. He, you know, he, he came out like a, you know, like a bulldozer in the first round. Physically and athletically, he, he looked so much stronger than his opponent. But um, B- Billy, in all fairness to him, was, you, you could see he was comfortable even when he sort of had his, his, his back up against the wall. You know, he was in some bad spots. He, he got reversed. You know, he had like the back at one point. He got reversed, you know, quite easily. So a lot of fighters were sort of being disheartened there and, and, and maybe looked for a way up. But you could see that he knew... The longer he was in the fight, the better chance he had of, of turning it round. And ultimately, I think that's that's the route it went down. Um, Spike was never really out of the fight, but you, you could see definitely starting to get a little bit tired, a little bit more uh, less explosive as the fight went on. But the, the grappling exchanges, you know, you know, Spike could have the bat, and you think, right, this is it now. He, he's got it locked down nice, and then they they reverse, and then Billy would end up on the bat, and then they'd be back on the feet, and I, like, and then he, even the I think it was the last ten seconds of the second or the third round where they just hands on their, their, their waist and just, just throwing alpha lever. It, it literally could have gone either way, even up until that, very, at the, you know, from the, the first minute to the 15th minute, you you didn't know who was going to win it. Any one of them could have pulled the finish at any time. It was that close on the scorecards. You know, I want to like to have been a judge for it, but, you know, I don't think any of their stocks would go down, even, even spike, despite the loss after a fight like that. You know, that was the type of fight Dana, like, Dana White loves to watch, you know, exciting. And you could sort of feel the tenseness of, of how back and forth was, despite there not being a crowd there, you know, with no atmosphere even. It was edge-of-seat stuff. So, you know, I'm looking forward to see what's next for the, for the pair of them because, like I said, despite the loss, I, I, I don't think that, you know, there'll be any less people watching that last, last fight when it comes to his next fight either. No, definitely. His, um, his stock would have risen, if anything, just by the way he fought. And like you say, there's... Be over the last, you know, these shows where there's no fans, a couple of shows, maybe there was one which kind of dragged a little bit, just where it wasn't, the fights weren't that great, and they, it was all kind of fizzled out, whereas the one, the super loaded card was amazing, you could hear the, the slaps and the bangs of every strike, and this was like that, it was really enjoyable, and um, even without the fans, there was still this tense atmosphere, and um, so... Just quickly, Jack. Did you what? Um, who did you do? You remember who you gave each round to for that one? Just what I'd be interested. To, to I, see. I, I, give, I give Spike the first round. Um, I give Billy the third round. The second was a was a real toss up. Um, I think Spike came out and started really strong. Then he started to sway back towards the other guy. Then you know he did a reversal and looked strong again. But ultimately, um, you know, I think Spike was doing a lot of the work in the second round, but Obviously, the work doesn't account for much on the scorecards unless you can make it significant, you know. So, you know, he had a takedown, I believe, at one point, but did nothing with it. And and, and the guy got back up with a reversal at one point. You know, he had him on the fence. He was getting turned. So, you know, it's, it's all well and good doing these things. But if you're not doing anything significant with him, then it's not really scoring no points. And it was it was a little bit the same with the opponent. You know, the opponent was, was having his, his moments as well, but there wasn't really no... Especially in the second round, there wasn't any real significance to any of what they were, they were doing. It was just a real 50-50 toss-up. So when, when it did go to the decision, I wouldn't have argued it e- either way. You know, if, if they'd give it to uh, to Spike Carlisle, and, and you know, I wouldn't have thought that was a robbery. No, no, no. So I um, there was one part of the second round, 
I think it was right towards the end where Carlisle kind of scrambled to his feet and then Quarantilo attacked him with some knee strikes and he took down, uh, Carlisle took down Quarantino and he got, and then he caught him in a guillotine choke and then he transitioned into an armbar and it was like real back and forth enjoyable stuff, even whether it was on the feet and it was the striking or the the, gra- the grappling exchanges were superb. Um, Dan, I'm assuming you enjoyed this one because you love a bit of uh, uh, high-class yeah. grappling, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I, I did really love it. I just think Spike was just not strategizing for, for the three rounds intelligently. Um, I think that he is stronger than Billy. Um, I think he's got the skills to match him, if not outmatch him. But he just was blowing so much energy out on, on mm. some of these exchanges that I just feel like if he just settled with the top position, and played it a little safer. I think he would have coasted through and had energy for all three rounds. I actually gave Spike the first two rounds and, and gave Billy the third. Um, so I was a little surprised with the decision myself. But, you know, like Jack says, it, it can be seen so many ways. Depends how you, how you look at each of those rounds. Um, but I just felt like Spike, you know, had his back. He, he was on top, well, I would say, most of the time. But having that back position, you know, Billy had to try to stack up and then he got sprawled out. I just think that... Spike was first showing more dominance in that second round, and that's why I edged it for him there. But he did make his mistakes, um, you know. Uh, but I just felt like he just did did, did the better work overall. Um, yeah, that's just how I saw it. So, I I gave uh, the first two to Spike Carlisle, and the second one, uh, the third one rather, to Billy Quarantillo. So I gave it to Spike as well, but. Like you both said, it's not like I feel like there was like this massive injustice or it was robbed. You know, it was so close that, and you don't mind those, do you? When it's when it's that close and you've seen a real good fight, and it could literally go either way. You, it's not so bad if the decision doesn't go the way that you think because it's you know ultimately it's subjective to a certain extent. So, yeah, good fight. I reckon that gets fight of the night. Or you, I haven't seen the the list, so I don't know if it did. I'll have a look now. Would yeah, you, would... I would say so. Um, if I had to pick, I, um, I haven't seen your pick, but I would say fight of the night just because of how frantic it was. Uh, yeah, like Danny said, Spike, to be honest, he was, he was a little bit he was a little bit too hectic for his own good. I think if he had slowed it down a little bit, clamped down on position a little bit more, then he probably would have would have would have walked the comfortable decision. But because he was just so, you know, reckless. It did lay Billy into the fight a little bit, which which Wayne being one of the judges was looking at in, in the sense of the second round. So I think looking back, you'd probably regret not 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 clamping his position in a little bit. Do you think that's up to this would be interesting now with one fighter and one coach on the show, but do you think that is up to the coach to rein him in a bit, Jack? Yeah, I mean it's it's fifty fifty. Like, you know, I, I I dare say in the gym is is coach is coaches a... You know, it's common sense if you get top position on someone in an MMA fight, you, you sort of you sort of stay there and you know you're winning the fight from there. But w- when you're in there and, and your adrenaline's flowing and, and you know, especially with no crowd to feed off, you know, it's a little probably again, it's probably a lot more surreal than what he's used to anyway. Then then you know things happen sometimes in, in the cage that don't usually happen in the gym. Um, it's I suppose it is the coach's job to sort of drill that into their mind, but at the same time. A coach can't physically make a fight to do something when they're in the cage. You know, ultimately, it is on the fight to, to switch on and do it themselves. So, you know, I dare say that the 
his coach may well have told him in between rounds to do this and do that, but obviously, as we know, it doesn't always go that way. What about you, Dan? Would you say that, like, it's up to the coach there just to rein, maybe rein him in a little bit? Yeah, I definitely would have been reining him in. I would have mm-hmm. saying, I would have been pushing him to consolidate the position more. Um, you know, it's it's really stressful being a coach um, because you know, predominantly they're not just students; they become your friends, and you really want the best for them. And uh, when you see them being unnecessarily, um, you know, aggressive. Uh, it, when there is no solid position to 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 give reason to bust a load, um, it's just you know Spike had positions where that they were they were not settled by any stretch, and he was just going some, for some crazy things, really burning up way too energy, and I just think that's unnecessary. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, I think a fight should be made to be exciting. I've already said before, you know, I think it's it, it's good to make an exciting fight because you're at the end of the day you're an entertainer as well as you know, trying to get wins on your record. You, you've got to make it entertaining to a point. But it's like he's trying too hard to be an entertainer and not, not perhaps thinking about trying to get now that actual result. I just think it was all for him to win with what I saw from him. Um, definitely talented. Um, definitely a strange guy, but that's probably why he fought the way he fought. But um, yeah, I, I, every time I see that he's going to fight, I'm going to be watching with interest, um, but especially for the next one to see whether perhaps he does rein it in a little bit more and we might see a more strategical spike. Um, but I don't want him to lose his excitement, but I just think it was just he could just be a little little tighter with those top positions and take those those winning rounds with a little effort. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Uh, so John says um, we'll definitely look forward to seeing Spike fight again. And uh, mm. Gaz says both fight both guys were great. Look forward to seeing them fight again. And uh, he also says rematch. So. Mm-hmm. Where they'll run it back, you never know. Um, so I've just pulled up the the bonuses. Uh, the Tim Elliott fight had the fight of the night, which I found interesting, but I can understand as well. I think that was on the prelims, um, because that was very, very entertaining. Um, so yeah, a little bit surprised that that one didn't get fight of the night, but again, the Tim Elliott one. Very, very good. So it's not like a. It's like not like they were robbed, is it? I suppose. Um, I was just trying to see if I could find the um, the other bonuses. I'll bring them up in a minute. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. The next uh, fight was. Uh, Blagoy Ivanov versus Augusto Sakai. Uh, Danny, what did you make of this uh, This sort of first round of this one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah this was an interesting bout for me because, uh, you know, the body compositions were so so largely different. You've got the short Wasaki Avanoff who, who comes in, you know, mainly using his hands and his wrestling. He's got, he's got really um, good wrestling as well. And, and Sakai, we, we, we know he's got good stand-up. Um, and initially, this was a case for me that you had Avanoff trying to use the hands and, and clinch up and try to get it to the ground. And you had uh, Sakai, you know, looking more diverse with his striking, um, you know, looking to be more of a kickboxer. He started using those leg kicks and those leg kicks started hitting home early. Um, I do think that Sakai could perhaps have made an easier night of it by focusing on those legs a little bit more once he saw that the, the leg kicks were bothering him. I was kind of surprised that he didn't focus on that a little bit more. Um, yeah, but we're not in there at the end of the day. When you've got someone like, uh, even off throwing those really strong-looking cross hands of his, um, you know, maybe you, you, you're not too keen on overdoing your your leg kicks just in case one gets caught. 
and, and you receive one of those hard cross hands of his. But yeah, um, yeah, it was a good round. Um, I just feel like uh, Sakai was just being more diverse, and um, I think that was posing problems for Ivanov. Uh, he had to keep working hard to get inside. Okay, so did you give that first round to Sakai then? Did you? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Uh, Jack, what did you make of that first round? And uh, who did you give it to as well? Yeah, pretty much agree with what Danny said. I think you should have should have definitely attacked the legs more. You could see um, early on it was it, it was sort of having an effect and boring him. But again, when you're 250 or 260 pounds, whatever they were, there's obviously that that caution of what's coming back at you, you know. And like you said, you are you are sometimes open, especially when you're a little bit slower at heavyweight. You are sometimes open and counter shots um, when you're throwing your kicks, but. To be honest, I couldn't really, I, I couldn't call a first round. It, it was, it was touch and go either way. It was, it was another one. It was seemed to be the story of the night. It was, it was a lot of close round in, in the fights that, you know, depending on what you're looking at as a judge, could, could give it either way. But you know, definitely, definitely, things both could have done better in my opinion. Um, you know, it wasn't uh, when you get an heavyweight fight on the car a lot of time. You, you think, you know, it's just sort of you, you kill as you we go. That's, you know, we, we, we should see a bit of a bomb in a year, as you know, and take one shot at any rate. But I think this one didn't live up to the eight a little bit. Yeah, there was, a, there was a couple of big... I think it was... I guess my memory's terrible. Was it Ivanov who took a couple of big shots right on the on the side of his head and the chin later in the fight? And he just kind, yeah, of, he, just kind of shrugged them off and smirked as... Yeah, it took him well, yeah. Different breeds than heavyweights, didn't they? Different oh, God, yeah. They're big boys, these two as well. Um, what about you, Dan, then, second round? Yeah, second round, I, I, I just felt it was similar to the first, but Sakai, to me, started you know fermenting the fact that he was not just working hands, he was working the kicks. He started um, switching those low-leg low kicks up to the body as well. You know, a couple of really nice-sounding ones. Uh, he was really generating a lot of power in those kicks. Uh, but Ivanov is, you know, a true warrior. He, he did keep pressing forward. Um, but he was really trying to establish his hands. And I just felt like as much as he did have successes, um, he wasn't having success enough regularly enough with those hands. And whenever a round's really close for me, particularly when it's on the feet, I normally find I steer towards the person who was trying to work all the, all the aspects of their striking, you know, their knees, elbows, kicks. When there's someone's being one-dimensional and just using their hands, I, I initially end up voting against them in close rounds. Um because I think it's important that when you're an MMS, MMAist, you're a real advocate of all the arts. And so I think you should be within a round. If you really want to push a close round to be yours, I think you should be pushing all aspects, punching, kicking, kneeing, shooting for the wrestle. Uh, and maybe if you get some ground exchanges, make sure you're, you're the one on top when that happens. Um, and that's, that's why I was edging these really for Sakai. I just felt like he was coming with more tools. Okay. So, um, for the, I had Ivanov for the first round, and then the second round, I had Sakai. Um, mm. But yeah, I think I agree with you. Like his overall uh, offense was just a bit more broad and a bit, just yeah, a bit, a bit more. He brought a bit more to the table, didn't he? Um, what yeah. about you, Jack, for that uh, that second round, mate? Yeah, again, he he probably pissed just on the diversity of what he was bringing. Um, you know, it was. Like you said, mixing up the attacks, and I think it was just activity pushed it for him more than anything. Um, and I think that's a lot more often than not that t- tends to be the case at heavyweight. Um, you see some of the guys 
you know, the the guys who were, they may not have that sort of one punch knockout shot, but they had, he was just a little bit more active, a little bit more diverse in, in what he was throwing. And I think obviously that that steered it towards him um, compared to them. Oh, was the Russian, was it the Russian or? Yeah, uh, Ivanov. Yes, you know, compared to um, to the other guy, he was just a little bit more one-dimensional in, in a sense compared to, on, on his offence. Indeed. Uh, what else was uh, the third round then, uh, just to finish this one off, Dan? Yeah, I mean, the third round, it was all going a similar way to how I've seen the other rounds, really, with Sakai, you know, looking like he was just a more complete striker. Um, but then Evanoff did exactly what he should be doing. I, you know, I think him, this was one round apiece and it was the third one to play. And Evanoff did exactly right. You know, he really needed to get this down. He did have a brief um, ground exchange in... Um, I think it was in the second round, wasn't it? That, that uh, they hit the ground briefly. I think. Uh, I yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was in the second round. Um, so he knows he could possibly get in there, and he went to go and put him down to the ground again. I think when you're having a, a, a close striking bout, and then there's nothing better than to try and get take down a bit of top game pressure uh, to try to cap off that round. But then there was that fence grab. Now I really think Sakai should have had a point deductive yeah. from it. Now, if you're just grabbing the fence and and it's got consequential to a takedown happening or not happening, and then, okay, let's put a warning in there. But when it's actually stopping a, a, a potential uh, round winning and, and, and fight winning, as I saw it at that stage, uh, that, that fence grab should have definitely been deducted a point. Um, so that was a little disappointing. So really, you know, had the, the fight played out with that takedown, you, you, it'd be hard to bet against Ivanov not winning the fight. Uh, with two rounds to one in my mind. Uh, but, you know, referees are human. They don't always make the best choices, uh, as we've seen. Same with the judging. Um, you just got to take it as it comes. And, uh, yeah, so, so Kai got the decision. Yeah, it was good. I thought it was a pretty enjoyable fight. Um, that fence grab, <clears throat> was. I, th- I felt it was big because, you know, he was going down without it. And, Absolutely, uh, it was. He completely steadied himself on the cage. It's a bit naughty. Um, were you surprised that the referee he didn't seem to react to it as if he hadn't seen it? Um, were you surprised by that, Jack? Yeah, to be honest, I think that's that's um, that's quite a big problem in MMA is the inconsistency with the um, with the point deductions in, in sense of the fouls. I think you know at the end of the day, a foul is a foul, and especially a foul like that that, that could potentially change the result of a fight. The ref needs to sort of they need to need to make the guidelines a little bit more clear on, you know, whether they deduct a point or you know, like I know in Pride they had like the sort of yellow card rule and stuff like that. But when it comes to any foul, I think you know, you, you, even stuff like eye pokes, like uh, you know, that's a big problem in the sport. And the especially like if you poke someone in the eye, whether you mean it or not, it's going to change the dynamic of the fight. You know, the person, yeah. the person who's got if you get if a poke in the eye during a fight, you know. It throws you off completely. So I think like a way to sort of eliminate the eye pokes and the fence grab and is whether it's intentional or unintentional is, is take a point straight away. Take a point. And you start taking points with these things, I guarantee over the course of time, you know, we'll start to see the start to see them being done less and less. You know, how often does John Jones land an eye poke and get away with it? If if you took a point off him every time you poke someone in the eye, then he'd soon start learning to clench his clench his fingers in. And it's the same with with, with this scenario with the fence grab. You know that that would have changed the dynamic of the fight, and, and especially that late in the fight, in a close fight, you could even have taken sort of two points because he's done it to you know 
he's done it knowing if he lands on his back, he's potentially lost the fight if he can't get back up. So, you know, it, it was a bad call from the ref, but but like you said, you know, it's a tough job being a ref in MMA as it is, but without all the rules and the the different outside aspects. So, you know, I'm not I'm not one to slay referees. I just think the the point deductions need to be made more soon for, for fouls, whether they're illegal or um or intentional. Uh, sorry, intentional, yeah. intentional, not illegal. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think, I, I, I've, on, got, I've got to agree with Jack there. You know, you absolutely. You've got to start dishing out heavier punishments for different things. Um, you, these eye pokes can potentially be career-ending eye pokes as well. Um, you know, look at someone like Bisping with them. You know, missing. Oh, we don't want none of these things happening to athletes, or we run out of fighters pretty quick. Yeah, get, let's get rid of this this cage grabbing. Come on, if there's a, a punishment that's going to put you way behind in the fight for grabbing the fence, trust me, you're going to start to learn very, very quickly not to grab it. Um, I think they should be dishing out uh, these 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 points being taken off um, more often rather than dishing out just warnings all the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think Jack made a great point there where he said about consistency is you in all sports, you want to see refereeing and judging being consistent across the board mm. for everything and everyone. So if you do something in one fight or one game and then you do it in another game or a fight, it's, you get the same outcome, same punishment, same points, whatever it may be. But unfortunately, you know, refere- like referees are human and judges are human, so it, it makes it tricky sometimes um, yeah. because you've got human error. Uh so, Augusto Sakai defeated uh, Ivanov. Obviously, they were ranked 12 and 13. Um, it was a split decision in the end, 30-27, 28-29, 28-29. Um, what do you think? What would you like to see Sakai do next, uh, Dan? Yeah, I, well, let's, let's get him tested more. Uh, I think he definitely should be fighting up in the top 10 now um, you know, and, and see this guy perhaps pressed a little harder in return. Um, I see him coming forward always really well and really steady. Um, I like to see what happens when someone really comes at him and perhaps match him a little bit more in stature. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a pretty tall guy. So, yeah, but that would be kind of interesting, seeing him going up against another tall, rangy opponent and perhaps seeing how he deals with it then. You know, as he got nice takedown capabilities himself, he's clearly happy on his feet. So, yeah, I, I'd like to see him perhaps go up someone who's going to push close and... Um, and also have height to deal with the fact that he's quite rangy as a striker. Yes, indeed. Um, so the performance of the night went to Mackenzie Dern and Gilbert Burns. Don't think I'd, I'd disagree yeah. with either one of those. Um, fight of the night was Tim Elliott and uh, Roy Val. Um, again, I don't think I would disagree too much with that. Um, yeah, and that's the that's the uh, the three. Which, um, yeah, I think that's uh, pretty much... I think it's just that one fight where we said maybe the Spike fight, I think, would have been uh, a good one to mm. for fight of the night. But, you know... Um, okay. Oh, we've got a, another MMA fighter in the chat on Facebook. It's uh, one, of Danny's, one of Danny's lads. Oh, oh that's Jordan. <laughs> yeah, he, I'm not going to pronounce his na- nickname because... Well, uh, his surname. Yeah, uh, he's got me to practice it because he knows I always muck it up, and so uh, yeah, I had a little practice run. Uh, so yeah, Busanic. There you go. <laughs> so just you normally go by fighters on their first name, Dan, don't you? With just when we're talking, yeah, it's easier. <laughs> yeah, it's easier. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Jordan's coming on actually for an unscripted and uncensored uh, soon. And uh, someone else who well, someone else who did an unscripted and uncensored was uh, Mr. Jack Shaw, way Shoot. back when before the uh, the lockdown business, which you can check out on the the YouTube channel. And I think I'm going to put it on Facebook this week as well, so you can have a look there. And Danny obviously did it before we had the before the Danny uh, Danny Batten uh, show was born. And uh, Jordan says you still got it wrong. You still oh, say really? his name wrong. Ah, damn. <laughs> damn, damn, damn. Okay. Yeah, well, I'll have to practice more. I- I'm terrible. But so you're just as bad as me. So yeah, I'm pleased to say that much. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I-, I get everyone's, all these names correct. But um, what was what I found funny about that is that I was like, wasn't sure how to say it. And you jumped straight in. It was like, no, this is how you say it. And you got oh, it wrong. Yeah. Shame on me. Um. Okay. So performance of the night Gilbert Burns faced off against uh, Tyrone Woodley and Tyrone Woodley ranked number one Gilbert Burns has been on a tear since going up a up a weight division um, and I gotta say I thought he was pretty sensational last night I really do thought he was exceptional um, Jack what did you make of the we'll do round by round just briefly but what did you think of the first round and who did you give it to yeah, well, well, you know, it'd be tough for anyone to sort of score that round the Woodley. Um, to be honest, he came out Gilbert and he, and he just started perfect. You know, if you if you watch uh, Woodley's fight against um, Usman, you see straight away Usman came home was to back him up, and obviously, you know, that's where he did a lot of his damage with his shots, his takedowns, and obviously they come from the same camp, um, Usman and Burns. So I, I would imagine that. Um, you know, Usman has had a lot, lot of tips and a lot, lot of things to say, as well as the coaches who, who are preparing Gilbert have obviously prepared for this this opponent before. But yeah, he, he came out perfect. Obviously, caught Tyrone early, which just goes to show, despite being a, a second degree black belt, is is striking off the chart. You know, when you think of guys like Wonderboy, who, who you know would leave outstruck, and and, and Darren Till, who, who would leave outstruck on the feet. So for him to come out and tag would be early on. You know, really. Put, put him put him in a good spot straight away. You know, I bet he did wonder for his confidence. And obviously, he hit the ground. He, he didn't get the finish. But when you've got a, someone of um, Gilbert Burns' level in form out, you know, with four minutes left of the round, you've got to give Woodley a bit of credit just for even seeing the round out and finding the way back to his feet eventually. But, yeah, well, a doubt, 10-8 ten, ten, round to, um, to Burns for the first one. C- couldn't have gone any better other than, obviously, if he could have managed to get the finish. But as far as... You know, racking up points on the scorecard goal, then, then you know his coach is probably going to ask for a better round. Yeah, I think as soon as he got that early, early um, takedown, uh, he really—you could see—he relaxed straight away. His confidence was up then, and he never looked—you know—he never looked back, never looked in trouble throughout the fight. Um, I think was it the first round where Woodley exploded out from underneath? I yeah, think first got out. it was, he the was first in, round running towards ma- the end of the yeah. round. He, he, uh, Burns had just gone up for a high mount looking for a submission uh, as well as some ground and pound. And he knew the submission was going to come. So he bl- yeah, blasted out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he deserve, like I say, he deserves credit for it. And like Woodley's beaten some top names. Like I was saying earlier about he's taken some criticism on social media and maybe in some parts of the media. But he's still a top level fighter. And he's beaten some big names. I think, you know, he just didn't. I don't know what it is. I, like, do you say that he 
would you say that he looked uh, kind of under the weather or not up to it in this fight? Or do we just give all the credit to Gilbert Burns was just sensational? I don't know which way I fall or whether it was a bit in the in between. So just before I talk to you, Dan, about the first round, Jack, what do you think about that? Would you give all the credit to Gilbert Burns? Or, and, or do you think maybe Woodley had a bit of an off night as well? Well, obviously, don't, we can't take nothing away from Gilbert. He, he wrote a doubt at the performance of his life. Um, just looked great in every area. Um, but I think with Woodley, a lot of it comes down to, you know, I don't think he's got that same desire to to be the best in the world anymore. You know, he's, he's made an hell of a lot of money, I can imagine, fighting the guys he has on the, you know, I think he's fought on the... Um, the McGregor undercard was the one fight, so I should imagine he had a nice little paycheck for that. He defended the belt X amount of times, so you know anyone who's owned the belt, they're going to be making decent money. Um, he's got a lot of things outside of fighting from like making it businesses, and obviously is is. I know people take the the myth, but he's, he's got his rap career that he, he's you know he's probably making money off that just because of his name as a fighter. So he's getting on a little bit now in the sense of 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 the prime of his fighting years. And I just don't think his, his will to be the best is there anymore. I think he's a great athlete. He's, you know, genetically, he's he's probably the, one of the best genetically in the division. But I just don't think as a fighter, you know, he's got that same desire and that to, to grind like, like he used to anymore. You know, you look back two fights ago, they were talking about him as potentially the best welterweight there's ever been. And then he took the loss to Usman and there was a lot of questions. Would he come back as the old Woodley? And, you know, he didn't look like the old Woodley last night, but, I know, again, a lot of that could just be down to how good Gilbert Burns was. And it was a bit of like a, a passing of the torch, I think. You know, you've got Woodley was the, the ex-champion coming down and Gilbert Burns is the new breed, you know, found his new weight division at welterweight, not killing himself to make weight. He's obviously turned into a welterweight the size of him. And I think Woodley's coming down like this and Burns is going up and they're just sort of passing in the middle. So yeah. it, it was 50-50, I think. Yeah, I think I just I just wanted I just had a look to see how old Tyron Woodley was, and um, he's my age. So you know, you're right there. He's he's going to be uh, probably you know on his way out, not necessarily after this fight, but he's certainly in the tail end of his career. Um, right, Dan, what did you make of that first round? And then I tell you what, yeah, you take us take us into the second round then as well, mate. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it couldn't have started any better for Burns. Um, I know Burns is really explosive, but sometimes he could be a little bit, uh, you know, too crazy and get get himself too excited, and, and sometimes, um, you know, get himself looking tired. But you know, he did start erratic, and I was thinking, oh no, he's going to do it again. But he got hmm. some successes with that erratic, with that inboxing. It's as though upcots that knocked uh, Woodley down and got him cut. Um, and obviously his ground second to none. I mean, he mounted Woodley quite easy. Um, he was there for quite some time. Uh, I would have perhaps liked to have seen uh, Gilbert try to be more you know, just brutal from that mount position. But, you know, m- maybe because he knows that he's busted too much energy in the past and got himself a little tired at times, that he did reserve back. Um, yeah, and I've got to agree with Jack, really. Um, I-, I think Woodley it no longer looks like he's acting like he's the predator sort of thing. You know, he's not hunting. Um, yeah, it looks like he's just trying to get through a fight. You know, it's almost like he's willing to take the win if just one of his shots land because someone tries to engage with him. It's like he's waiting for that power shot. Um, but they are, that, that's like you know Jack Shaw saying, "Okay, look, Jack, I, I want you to go in and win this fight, but only by an armbar." Well, what about when a guillotine comes up, or you know, or a knockout, you know, potentiality comes up, and 
you can't limit yourself. And it just seems like he's just sitting, waiting, sitting, waiting. Uh, you don't want to work hard for the win. Um, yeah, he, he just wants those wins to come towards him rather than him going towards the win. So, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed. But remember last week when we were doing our predictions and, uh, and I said I thought Gilbert was going to win, partly because I think, I, I just don't think Woodley wants on easy. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear of a retirement perhaps uh, mm. coming up. Uh, yeah, I'm really not too sure what his reasons for staying in there are, but I think he'll certainly be perhaps questioning his reasons for competing anymore with performances like this. But again, we mustn't take away from, from, from Gilbert with it all. It's an incredible performance. He looks, looks really hungry. I've got to say, with him coming up to this weight, he didn't look like the smaller man. He, he, looks, he looks nice and strong at no. the weight, nice and sharp. Um, the thing that impressed me with Gilbert, though, was uh, that his combinations were really short. He didn't overdo his combinations because that would have opened up the opportunity for a, a, a one-hand knockout from Woodley. I think he was coming in with those little twos and threes and, uh, and made it so that Woodley never couldn't settle his timing at all. Do you feel like maybe it's a confidence thing as well that he's looking for? He seems to be looking for that big shot, um, like all the time almost. Whereas back when he fought Wonderboy in those fights, it was if those shots weren't there, he was, you know, he was doing going for takedowns or he was going looking for other uh, other forms of offense. Whereas now he feels like he is literally just waiting for that big right overhand rather than maybe mixing it up a bit and setting it up or, you know, doing little feints and stuff, trying to set the big shot up. He just seems to be literally waiting for it. Do you think that's a confidence thing, maybe, Jack? I'm not sure if it's a confidence thing, but I think sometimes, you know, you go Woodley, who's this this big explosive athlete, so he knows now he's got that, that capability of, of the one-punch knockout. He's, he's done it multiple times before, and I think sometimes you can fall in love with that a little bit too much, and you can rely on that a little bit too much, rather than, you know, he's a very decorated wrestler. Physically, he's very strong, and, you know, you can see that by looking at him. Um, and he's very explosive in the sense of he, he can, you know, j- change his angle or, 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 you know, explode forward very fast. But I just don't think we've, we've seen that from the tone in his last two fights. You know, he, he's just, tend, like you said, he's backing up, backing up, backing up and waiting for that big shot. And, you know, you if I had to fight Woodley, then if I was a welterweight and I watched the Usman fight, you know, I would do exactly what Burns did. You know, when he's backed up, I wouldn't give him that chance to explore. Like you said, keep nice short combos, stay in tight. But sometimes, you know, fighters, they, they get those big one points on you and you can fall in love in that, with that and rely on it, you know. And it is, a, it is a good thing in a sense because he could be, you know, four and a half rounds down there, pull that out last last round and, and start the guy with one punch. But that, that's not the way to go about it. And I don't think that's the way he would go about it if he was a young guy coming up through the ranks, you know. He's at the stage now where, like you said, he's a little bit older. He's been there, seen it, done it. And perhaps now in his head, he's thinking, well, I'll just rely on that shot rather than, you know, grind out an hard fought win. Um, but I, I'm not I'm not sure if he's sort of mentally lacking. I don't think that's the case. I just think it's the case of he's at that stage in his career now where, like you said, he's thinking, well, if I land the shot, great. You know, perhaps he's not prepared to go out there and, and grind the dog for five rounds like Gilbert did. Yeah, definitely. Red. I am. Um, so I know you've got um, an interview after this. So um, we'll kind of just wrap up this now. Um, so we had round. Did you give all the round? Uh, did you give a whitewash to 
Burns, Dan, or did you give any rounds to Woodley at all? No, I, I think Burns won all the rounds. Same with you, Jack? Yeah. yeah, I give all the rounds to Burns and I give it 10-8 in the first round as well, just because how dominant he was, obviously, with the knock, not just the knockdown, but the, you know, yeah, held the full mount for a good few minutes as well. Yeah. Damage there too. Yeah, I gave yeah, it 10-8 in round four as well, actually. Just, um, I felt like he was just dominant all round. Um I thought that, that fifth round, like I gave them all to to Burns. Um, I felt Woodley did start to come out a little bit in the fifth round, looking for. The, but again, he was so focused on trying to land that kind of one particular shot or like the right hand that I felt like he may, neglected maybe trying to catch Burns in another way. In that, especially in the fifth round, where he had to get some, you know, he had to knock him out or finish him. Um, I felt like Burns was Burns was expecting him to try and hit that right hand, so maybe there was an opportunity for him to try and do something different and catch Gilbert Burns by surprise. What do you think about that, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, on one of the statistics for for the round was that uh, Gilbert Burns landed more significant strikes than Woodley landed strikes at all. That's right, and, yeah. and and I think that will sum up the total look and impression of the fight it, it was Gilbert work uh, Gilbert Burns working hard and, and Woodley sitting waiting for the for the money shot that never appeared indeed indeed um okay so that was UFC fight night from Las Vegas uh so it was pretty good pretty good show pretty enjoyable some some very good performances by uh, the ladies by Gilbert Burns that obviously they had the the good fight on the prelims with Tim Elliott we also had the Really enjoyable fight in the middle of the the main card. Um, okay, so just to oh, uh, in terms of enjoyment, Danny, how would you rate last night's card out of ten? Uh, well, if we're going to do as five as a, an, an average, um, I, I so I enjoyed it. I think there was a, a couple of fights that were not just the main event that, that were really entertaining for me. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go a, a six point five. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, what about you, Jack? Yeah, I, I give it a six. Um, there was, there was, the, you know, the, the main event was was good. There, there was some good good fights on the end of the card, but there was also a couple that was just sort of go, not going for the motion. But there was no, you know, there was a couple on there that was, you know, your standard three round decision or you know your your. Yeah. I'll, I'll go six. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I'm about six, six and a half. About there, the the good stuff was good, and then the rest of it was. Maybe not so good, well, not so enjoyable, and not necessarily not good. Um, so now we're going to talk about uh, part five of our look into Rise of Jack Shaw. So basically, uh, one of our viewers, or I think was in the live chat earlier, probably still is now, um, Johnny Wish, he asked us if we, because we've been doing retro reviews of different uh, UFC and boxing and different events from over the years. Uh, he said, would we look at Jack Shaw's rise through Cage Warriors? So we um, we started with, I think it was your last amateur fight on, or like it was on like a Cage Warriors pre-show. Um, I've forgotten the name of the guy you fought now. Simon. But, um, that's it. Simon, uh, Simon, the name which I can't pronounce. Mas- 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 that's the one, yeah. I only know um, that because he actually joined no gym. Uh, oh, months. okay. That's the only reason I know. Otherwise, I would be the same. I'm just known him as Simon. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, that, and, yeah, we started with that and we've been working our way through. So um, this week we are on uh, Cage Warriors 83. 
versus Conman Dare. Uh, dare is it dare dare or dare? I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah. But, uh, dare. Okay. Um, also, guys, uh, Jack's going to be leaving us in about five minutes. So if you've got any questions for him, get them in super quick. Uh, okay. So Jack, what's your kind of memories of this fight? And um, also, if you rewatched it, like looking at it, what do you take from it? Yeah, this fight was quite a special one for me, to be honest. Um, I was four one zero. 4-0 coming into the fight, um, and Day was, I believe he was 9-3 and three at the time. I think he was on a six-fight win streak, uh, and I think he, he'd beaten some good guys up until that point. He, you know, he had a good win against a, a, a Liverpool lad. He would beat Marley Swindles. I don't really know Marley, but at the time, Mar Marley is what was one of the... I, I, I think he's living out and training for time in... Coaching at Puckett Top Team now, I think he had, you know, he had a really good record on the Welsh scene. He, he fought on Bama, he fought on Page Warriors, he, he was right up there. Um, so yeah, day, day coming in, day obviously was was very dangerous opponent. It was not a short notice fight then, but it didn't get matched until sort of four weeks before the date. And a lot of people have ripped me off, like you know, like they have a couple of times before, just because you know oh, he's too experienced. You know, at the time they were saying Jack's just just a grappler. You know that he, he won't get calmed down. He's gonna get knocked out, this and that, you know, the usual stuff. But it was it was a it was a nice one for me just because obviously I would say probably eighty percent of the people of the neutrals then that wasn't you know my friends were counting me out on the fight and and were well expecting me to lose there. Cut a long story short, expect yeah. and get and get chin. But uh, you know, he, even the guys at Cage Wars, he, he and Dean was the matchmaker. And when we you know sort of, he said, look, we got common days a risky fight. You know, obviously Graham manages me and was managing me at the time. Said, you know, what do you think of it? It's not what we got to do. And you know, me and me and my old man were more up for it. We said that's a that's a fight we can we can win. And obviously, he'll do a lot of things for me. He'll, he'll give me a push to the next sort of level and permit you know on, on the verge of contending for a title. Um, and he, even they were wary of me taking it. But you know, to go to go in there and without sounding cocky or arrogant to, to sort of whitewash him in a round then and completely shut him down. It was, it was one of my favourite fights, to be honest. It, it, I think it was the start of where I started to show people that, you know, I wasn't just having all this attention because I was the 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 up-and-coming Welsh guy on the card that the sell the ticket. It was, you know, it was justified. Um, but Coleman was a great guy as well. He was a great fighter. Even to this day, he, he, he's... Well, you look at some of the people he's fought, he's taking people like Mason Jones a distance at, at lightweight. So, you know, we all know how good Mason is. So it just shows yeah. how good he is himself. Um but yeah, it was it was, a, it was a fun one, and it, it was nice to get the recognition for it when I when I beat him, and obviously to to shut a couple of people up as well. Yeah. I'm surprised that there were so many people writing you off, just because obviously as we've been watching these fights recently, like uh, you've been very dominant in all of them. Um, we discussed the one last week was the first time that we'd seen the your opponent really kind of get any sort of offense, and even that was him. I think he defended a takedown. So like that was that's the level of kind of offense we were talking. Like you you were very dominant in those early fights. But like you say, uh, you know, Dare is a very experienced fighter. Um and at that time you were only four and Um Dan, what did you make of it after watching that today? Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, really impressive from Jack Shaw, really with the with the way he chains together uh, the entries. 
Um, he shot in with a like a single one on the hip with his uh, left arm coming up higher. And that, that's sort of like the perfect blend to be able to transition to a single, to a double, or then driving upwards, going on the hips up. Um, so he's sort of hitting with just an overwhelming amount of takedown attempts. And the nice thing about what Jack Shaw does is he doesn't bust his load with the first entry. He'll feel out until he bites in and it feels good. He ain't busting in the energy to actually take him down. He'll transition till the grip feels right. And, and from there, just uh, overwhelmed him with technicality. And I think what Jack really impresses me with is the fact that he gets a lot of work done without looking like he's being rushed. Um, you know, a couple of the very early fights, it was a little bit more rushed. But I think the very first one we saw, there was only three-minute rounds. So you've got, all got a butter rush. Um, but, yeah, it's just so impressive that it, it was just constant work going on without looking clumsy. And that's what really impressed me with this. I think it just overwhelmed Day. Yeah, he did. Um, I was just having a quick look through the the cards. There's some massive um, names who went on to do some really, you know, some really big things in UK MMA, and like you had um, Lewis Long, who's gone on to fight for Bellator. Uh, Mason Jones is current champion in Cage Warriors. Yourself went into uh, the UFC. You got Chrissy Edwards. Um, it's a, that was a pretty stacked Cage Warriors card in hindsight. Um, Right, Jack, I know you've got to go, mate. So um, thank you for joining us, mate. I really appreciate it. And um, now there you go. Uh, John Wish says, fantastic show. Uh, top analysis. And he also says, uh, great stuff, Jack. Come back soon. Uh, so there you go. Thanks for having me, lads. Appreciate the time. Cheers, Dad. Uh, cheers, uh, Jack. And we'll uh, see you soon, mate. Jack. The audio one will be out tomorrow, mate. The audio version of this. So I'll uh, I'll tag you up in that when it's out. Oh, man. Cheers, guys. Cheers, mate. Have yeah, a good evening. Okay. Um, yeah, just finishing up on um, on Jack's fight from Cage Warriors '83. Um, I was just having a look through the results to see if he'd had any other um, armbar wins. Um, he had a Kimura in one of the fights. I think we watched, but um, he didn't seem to he doesn't get even though like he said he's a lot of his grappling work is up high you know towards the the waist yeah. and above um that was a one of his rare armbar victories yeah um but yeah good very good very good very good it just looks where well, i don't know whether it's because it's hindsight so you and we know that he's still unbeaten and he's in the ufc or yeah. it is just that he's so but he's just so dominant over these guys um, really, yeah. like take some apart. Um, yeah, with seeming I mean, easy. We... Like he seems so strong, Dan, in these early fights, yeah. and he, like, you know, not being disrespectful in any way, but he, like he looks so young in some of these fights, whereby yeah. you think he's got a lot of, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna fill out a bit, and he's gonna sort of mm. mature and that physically, but he just doesn't seem phased from a mental no. point of view, but even a physical point of view, no one seems to be able to bully him in that division. Yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. You know, he's he's not overly muscled by any stretch. He, you know, he looks, you know, without criticising him, he can look less athletic than a lot of his opponents. But I just think that just adds more, um, you know, more for, for his talent, for, for judging things correctly. Like I say, with those takedowns, so many people can try really hard for the first and second attempt takedown, um, so much so that they can end up gassing themselves for two or three minutes of, of any one round after that attempt, whereas he just floats from one exchange to another and only puts the energy in when it's going to guarantee him a top position and a, a good position. Um, 
yeah, um, you know, I would like to see him more tested to see what what else, but what, what can you do? Um, I know that Day is a very good opponent. The Jordan Volsenic, or however we <laughs> pronounce my <laughs> student's name, um, is actually his last opponent was this guy. Um, All right. They, they had to do it at a catch weight. Um, Jordan ended up going to a decision win. Uh, Jordan's more of a striker, not, uh, although he's a really good grappler as well. Yeah. You know, take it from he's very, very good on the ground, but he likes to win his fight striking. Um, uh, so we, we know how strong and good that, that guy is. And for, for Jack to do what he did to him all in one round was you know, utterly impressive. And I'm not surprised that he's in the UFC. And I, I think he's going to just keep shining and shining. Yeah, you think think so. You can't just at the moment. I don't want to curse them, you know, curse him by any means. But he just looks like he could beat anyone he comes across. Obviously, in the UFC now, he's going to come across some big names eventually if he keeps winning and he keeps performing yeah. at the level he is. He's going to hit some big names in that bantamweight division division um, because yeah. you know that's a, that's a the UFC bantamweight division is pretty stacked. I mean. I know we seem to say that about all the divisions, but that's why it's the you know it's the cream of the crop. That's why it's the yeah uh, the top. Um, and you know you've got Jose Aldo, you've got Aljamain Sterling, you've got Henry Cejudo, you've got all these various guys. You know, mm-hmm. right at the top. Um, who would you like to see Jack face uh, next, mate? If you were, if you were making the match, I can't do it. Anyone? Well, I'd have him fight someone like Jesse Aldo because you know he's coming off his peak. He's still a legend, no matter you know, no matter how you, you you look at his career that has got in recent times. He's still very much a dangerous guy, and he's got some of the best takedown defense in the game. And I think mm. this will be a really good t- test for Jack uh, to, to see whether he could get someone who's who's renowned for good takedown defense, who's can be really dangerous and consequential if you can't get into the ground with his striking, but. You know, he is mildly past his peak. And um, and just like Jack Shaw was saying about, you know, you, you get Woodley perhaps passing down and Gilbert passing up. That might be the case with Jack Shaw and someone like Jozo Eldo. Um, I think that'd be really exciting. I think it'll make um, make Jack Shaw, you know... That would make his name, that. wouldn't it? If he, yeah, yeah, it'll make his name. Um, and like I say, it'll really test whether that's his, going to be his style. Um, you know, and if Jose Eldo can defend his takedowns, you know, will he just smother him against the fence or, you know, because that, that can be the case. You know, you, you don't have to always succeed with a takedown. You can be really active just against the fence and just harass someone to death. Or, you know, are we going to see Jack Straw and we see his true striking pedigree? Because um, I've got a feeling I, after speaking and getting to know Richard Shaw's father and, and, and getting to talk with Jack, you know, these guys, they've got high fight IQ. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if they got something in the works for when um, those takedowns don't come about, I I, I think oh, we're yeah. going to see some accomplished striking from him as well. I would, I'd love to know what uh, what Richard thinks about that um, as a you know as a fight because obviously you know Jack's rig ranked like forty seven at the moment in that division just yeah. because he's you know he's new to the UFC um, and there's some massive names just above him. I'd like to see. It. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't be against seeing him versus Nathaniel Wood. Um, I think that would be a great oh, fight yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah, um, um, yeah. I forgot Woods about Nathaniel. Ranked uh, would... 29th, so that would be a good jump. Yeah, uh, Brett, that would be Brett Johns as well, Mines versus um, Nathaniel Wood, I think would be a real mm. good fight. Um, mm. And then in your sort of ranked top 15s, you've got uh, you've got Uriah Faber. I think that would be a real good one. Um, mm. And then you've, you know, you've got your pick of... But there's a few guys I feel like, you know, like Faber, John Dodson... 
um, Ricky Simon, maybe who were on their way down, which I think mm. you know they could be good opponents for Brett or for for Jack Shaw. You've got yeah. Ray Borg, maybe Nathaniel Woods. Mm. Um, I'm not sure it would be a good fight for Nathaniel Woods to face Jack Shaw, though, because I feel like um, it, it'd be a good fight. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> a good stylistically. Fight, yeah, you could yeah, hurt Nathaniel him. Wood, yeah, it would be it would be so good for him to fight that stylist. No, this time no, around. it would not. But it'd be good um, for the fans. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Can you imagine that? Um, yeah. Nathaniel Woods versus Jack Shaw in like Cardiff or like London would be electric as yeah, a yeah, main yeah. event on a British card. Uh, Johnny Wish says Aldo versus Shaw, book it. Yeah, there you go. I'm going to ask Richard what he thinks of that. I'm going to I'm going to going to grass you up and I'm going to tell him and see uh, <laughs> see what see what uh, Mr. Shaw thinks of that. But I, I I'd yeah, love yeah. to see that one day. But um, I, I I think he's capable to beat him, and and I do as well. That's that's the weird thing, isn't it? Yeah, like you and look I'll at the rankings, and it'll think, put him high up on that payroll as well. It's going to make oh God, um, yeah. make him worth a whole lot more. As they say, that would be a game changer. Yeah. Um, speaking of game changers, uh, next week I'm recording the first in our new series on boxing with uh, Mr. Shane Watson, who joined us last week from SJAM Boxing Promotions. Um, I cannot confirm uh, the guest of the first show yet, but what I can tell you is that the guests on that show, on that series, will be sensational. They will be about as good as you're going to get for boxing guests on a podcast. And I'm excited. That's all I can say at the moment. But uh, look out on our Facebook page, Twitter page, stuff like that. And uh, have a look out for that. More top guests coming to Ace Podcast Nation. More new series coming to Ace Podcast Nation. And more quality co-hosts to do with to go with my uh, my rambling. Um, all right, then. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll finish this off. We'll have 10 minutes talking. UFC 9, which was, which one was this? This was the, who's the greatest fighter in the world? They tagged it as, and it was Motor City Madness. Um, and this was the first one where they didn't do the tournament uh, format. That's right. Yeah. So you had a, a card, uh, you had the Super Fight Championship, which was Dan Severn versus Ken Shamrock as the main event. And then you had the main card with the, uh, the various fights which we'll go through now so um we're not going to spend ages on this one dan because we'll wrap up at about sure. an hour and a half about 10 minutes just uh just to kind of talk through each fight generally um <clears throat> so the first one was uh don fry versus uh a maori bitetti yeah and, and for me this was the best fight of the tournament um sensational you know, uh, you know, still a, a, a little bit of a weight issue here. Uh, Don Fry looking much the bigger man. Um, but Amiri really come out. He really wanted it. He, and he come out, clinch up, clearly wanted it to the ground. And uh, was really being aggressive on Don Fry and actually making Don Fry have to fend with his wrestling capabilities. But Don's a really good wrestler himself. He, he was a bigger man and able to fend off Amiri's attempt. Um uh, you know, Miri you know, did get a little bit of damage going on. He was, he was punching with bare fists. I think Don Fry had gloves for this one, if I remember right, because I'm noticing some of, or more and more wearing gloves. 
Um, not everyone's going there with the with the bare knuckles. But Amiri, uh, eventually the size of uh, Don Fry started to really start telling its tale as the time went on. It was clearly tiring on him. But I was really impressed with Amiri Petiti. He was um, really good. He was standing, wasn't he, for Marco Ruiz? Uh, that would have been such a good fight uh, to see Marco yeah, Ruiz versus Don Fry. Uh, I would have really liked that. And perhaps would have suited size-wise. He would have matched up to Don Fry. Um, but wasn't disappointed. Like I say, I felt this was the the, the best fight on the card. Um, you know, it, it was a really fast pace, but Petiti just didn't have the size to utilize any of his ground to any success with Don Fry. Don Fry used his wrestling really, really well to to flatten out and stop Amuri's transitions, and um, and just started grinding out those strikes to a stoppage. Yeah, when I watched this um, earlier, I. I forgot that it wasn't a tournament format this time, and I was yeah. really disappointed after this fight because I there was a, I was looking at the cards and I was like, oh my god, I can mm-hmm. see Don Fry versus some of these guys. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, they just didn't get, uh, obviously, didn't get to see it. Um, so mm. Don Fry won via TKO uh, after nine minutes twenty two. It was also the, the the longest fight on the card, other than the main event. Um, oh, yeah, the main event. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next up was Mark Hall versus Koji Kiato, uh, which was a TKO finish after 40 seconds, doctor stoppage yeah. to a broken nose. Unusual. This yeah, one. I'm really surprised that they they take us off. Now, I don't know whether a nose could be broken in such a way that it's uh, potentially detrimental to the person's health. But how bizarre. I mean, that the Katao... Um, Got the guy down, had a massive size advantage. The guy was like six foot seven, like much bigger than Mark Hall. Mark Hall was like five ten, I think it was. But he gets him to the ground. It looked really, really good for Katal. But then there was a lot of blood coming out onto them to the mat. And, and you notice as well, whenever they was checking cuts, they were starting and backstanding again as well, which I was a little, you know, I think it was a little unfortunate for the ground aspect. Fire. Yeah, you'd like to see um, him go back now, like they yeah. do now, isn't it? You go back to the position. That's that it. In. Yeah. So. That, that was a little surprising, but I thought, you know, they would re- just restart the, the position. I thought Katal would obviously try to push to get it to the ground again. But, um, yeah, they stopped the fight to a, to a broken nose just, just because of the blood outlet, I'm guessing, because it was breathing pretty, blood, pretty heavily. But, yeah, disappointing that yeah. Yeah, for Katal, really, because I think he uh, could have fought on. It was a, it's a weird one, isn't it, though? Because, mm. like, you know, when you're not being funny, like, as I'm not a fighter, obviously, but, like... If you're going to fight boxing, MMA, karate, whatever it may be, I would have thought broken noses kind of come with the territory. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm most fighters I've spoken to have had a broken broken nose at some point. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Anderson Silva, who was Anderson? I can't think of the opponent's name, but he he turned his nose sideways. <clears> yeah, it was just like Rich, squished over his face, right? Yeah, Rich Franklin. I mean, he completely decimated his nose. He had, he had no nose left. It was an eye patch. It was so far over his face. Um, and that never got stopped. So, yeah, quite surprising. But, yeah, maybe maybe by then, we, we don't really know. Um, you know. But I know they were still against MMA a lot. And, and whether they just had to start getting some stoppages in so it weren't so bloodlusted. Um, I suspect that that might have been something to do with... Um, the fight being stopped because did you notice they were stopping some of the fights just with some ground and pound and stuff a little bit like how they do now almost stopping the fights early before they got too bloody yeah yeah it's um it's a weird one but yeah you're right back in the day they people hated m m m m m 
MMA. They, <laughs> um, they really, really just they don't like him much either. But they <laughs> no. like the authorities and they, they were against it. Um, yeah, and I think that you know that's why there's like such a fine line now about um, the behaviour of MMA stars or mm. things in fights. They've got to be very careful because the papers or the news media, as soon as something happens, they pick up on it. They call it brutal yeah. and you know all this other rubbish. Um, next up was Mark Schultz versus Gary Goodridge. Um, Gary yeah. Goodridge again returning, uh, but this was again a, a TKO from a cut. Uh, yeah, minutes in. yeah. I mean, this wouldn't have happened in the previous UFCs that we've been watching. Um, you know, a bit of blood was just adding to the whole performance, really. But yeah, much it, was, it didn't last very long uh, in, in the big scheme, or not much happened. Not not that it didn't go on long, but not much really happened. Much skills uh, was getting Gary Goodridge down. The thing that was impressing me was he didn't even have to enter in with the hips. He was so strong in the upper body. He was shooting on on Goodridge. And Goodridge is a big, heavy guy and was literally taking him down, spinning him in the air at arm stretch. Um, didn't even have to bring it, bring him in close. So we, we know Gary Goodridge at that time was not the greatest wrestler in the world. So we, we knew that he was susceptible to being taken down. But the way Mark Scouch did it was really, really impressive. He really bowled him over each time. Kept getting this half-guard top position and occasional side control and a little bit of mount as well. And was raining down those shots. And, and you're right, you know, he got cut. Gary Goodridge got cut. And uh, ref intervened. And it was a KO and TKO at 12-minute mark. Yes, indeed. Game over. Uh, Rafael Carino versus Matt Anderson. Uh, Carino won via TKO. Punches this time after just yeah. over five and a half minutes. And could you see... Did you find this fight? Because I couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, so, I didn't know. I couldn't basically. find it. I I, I I I couldn't find it on UFC Fight Pass. Um, I couldn't. I, I tried to Google it and try and find it. I couldn't find it. I tried doing their individual names. I just could not find this fight anywhere. Mm. So I wonder whether it was like um, maybe a pre prelim or something that they didn't show on the yeah. on the main show. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, yeah, but yeah. Okay, I, Rafael what, Carino what, won by TKO punches after yeah, five and a half What I think is, I think if it's um, like the main event ended really quick, or any of the like a, a, a lot of the fights were ending quick, I think this was perhaps one to fill out the show to make up the time, just in case. Yeah, uh, that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah, it could be, couldn't it? Like a like the equivalent of what they do with the alternates, because um, yeah. they don't show those, do they? So, yeah, I suppose there's that aspect of to it too. Yeah. Twit two, twit two. Uh, Carl Worsham versus Zane Frazier, uh, with Worsham picking up the win via TKO punches. Uh, three minutes and fourteen seconds. Yeah, yeah, um, didn't last really long. This was kind of like a, a bit of a USC fight that we should saw of old. Really, one guy clearly a striker, and the other guy trying to get it to the mat. And Zane looked really, really tall, didn't he? He was like six five, and the other guy hmm. about five ten. So a lot of height difference there. But you know, initially when I was watching it, I was thinking, oh, Craig, this Zane's gonna is gonna romp it. He looks, you know, so superior in size to Carl Wilson. But Wilson got him down, um, got in a bidential position, and um, and Zane tapped out before any damage can really be put on him. I just think he felt that he couldn't uh, get up off his back, and decided to call it an early night and and come away unscathed. Yeah, mate. He um, he's a big boy. Hmm. Is um. Zane, isn't it? The big one, wasn't he? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, he's a big, big boy. And then um, he got caught. And uh, to be fair, 
I felt like he his head went before he yeah you know they finished it. I thought probably thirty seconds before you could see he had gone like his wasn't interested in uh, defend not necessarily defending himself, but he just you could see the belief being sucked out of him with every punch. I think is probably the best. Way yeah, to yeah, yeah. Him. Yeah, but I was just surprised, really, because we have seen like advancements um, in each UFC. They're, they're becoming more educated. Like I say, as well, some of them are choosing to wear gloves. So they realise that, you know, obviously punching, um, you know, a skull with a bare hand with no wraps and, and no gloves is 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 not not good for the hands. And yeah, it's not not so good for them. So yeah, we oh, I've seen some things change, but that one was like a UFC of old. Yeah, it, it's uh, it was more like the the early days, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Who else? Um, so where is it? And then Steve Nelmark versus Ty Bowden, another doctor stoppage. Uh, this yeah. time after seven minutes and twenty-five seconds, with Steve Nelmark picking up the win. What did yeah. you make of this um, one, pal? Yeah, there was nothing beautiful about it. Um, a takedown come early. Um, Dominated the top position really, raining down strikes, and and the stoppage was just really really quick. There's not really a lot to say about this fight. There was nothing really beautiful about it. Uh, the guy looked strong, he looked dominant, but I don't think the opponent was up to much. To be honest, it, it looked like a mismatch, uh, and there's another one that really looked like a step back to the old UFCs. Oh yeah, yeah, it was when it? it was. Um... Yeah, I think that's the best way I'd put it. It was it's like those old those early UFCs which we watched, which mm. were just painful at points. Not necessarily yeah. from an excitement point of view, but from a um from a technical point of view, they were not good. And uh, Yeah, I think UFC was still trying to find how it was gonna was be heading feet, in the future. Yeah, its feet um, still. We was not, you know, we obviously noticed that the referees were making these early stoppage decisions whereas that wasn't happening before um you're getting people wearing their gloves they started introducing rounds um and the super fights they started introducing these overtime rounds so they were still making changes and adapting to try to make it a um a viewer spectacle to try to clean up its image as well i think a little bit so that um it didn't lose its position in whatever states that they were holding them in yeah and the, you know obviously as we've seen in the later years, they were going for having the TV shows as well as the pay-per-views, yeah. which they ultimately did. Um, so it's no, you know, it's not a massive surprise, is it, that the, they were yeah. trying to do things a certain way, bring in more regulations, and obviously, obviously, they, you know, they've brought in things like time limits. They brought in things like um, referee stoppages, and yeah, uh, I think I'm not sure if they have in this, but they're bringing in rounds. You know, and shortly, and they moved. They eventually move away from the tournament uh, format as well, just to try and mm. you know they're basically trying to adapt to make it more mainstream, which I understand sure. completely. Um, I do think it's a massive shame that they moved away from the tournament format completely, because I feel mm. like you even now, like if you look at some of the Bellator tournaments, um, they can be quite very exciting. I do wish sometimes that they they were closer together. The the rounds yeah. and the, the weeks, but I it's think, difficult, isn't it? Because fighters getting the crap yeah. beaten out of them don't want to fight the same doing, day or the night next day. Doing a tournament every now and then, I think, is a good thing. Um, but you've got to think it from a fighter's perspective. You know, 
if you have a really hard first fight and you get through it and you know your opponent's had an easy one, you might have normally have been beaten that opponent had you been fresh. But if you go in there not fresh, you, you can get trials. I mean, we do this in training. We call it a shark tank. You know, uh, um, suddenly say, if you did it in BJJ terms, to make it a clearer a clearer point that I'm trying to make it, that if you're blue belt and you're up against a black belt, but the black belt's been in for 10 rounds against top level guys, and then you jump in on him with no rest period, something that blue belt's going to perform a whole lot better than he would if he faced that black belt that's fresh. You know, if you're, if you're tired, you think less clear, your, your, your fight IQ begins to drop off. And you make yeah, mistakes. You, you, make mistakes. Yeah, you, you, you make mistakes. Um, yeah, you make bad decisions and you, you, you just can't perform so well. So I think that's why a lot of the fighters would perhaps shy away from doing those tournaments. You, you could get them to happen, but I don't think you'll get the top names doing them. Yeah, certainly if they're going to be over a weekend, say. Whereas mm. I think it's good. Even the Bellator ones where they were spread out, I think were good um, because you can see you know, each fighter developing through the rounds. If someone's on a win streak, it matters. I think it adds stakes to matches which bring or fights that don't always have stakes. Mm. So, like, yeah. you could get fights sometimes where it's like a ranked... Or so, say, tonight, um, on tonight's show, where we talked about Ivanov and Sakai, they were ranked yeah. 12 and 13 in the heavyweight division. Now, yeah. if that was around quarterfinals of a heavyweight tournament... Yeah. Would that have been more exciting? Would they have been, you know, would Ivanov have adapted his game knowing mm-hmm. that he would go out with the tournament if he didn't win? Um, yeah. So it's interesting. You know, it adds extra stakes to the fights, which I, you know, I, I'm all for making things more important, more tense yeah. and suspenseful. Um, talking of tense and suspenseful and very enjoyable and really, really, really good to watch. Uh, the main event was the Super Fight Championship of Dan Severin versus Ken Shamrock. It went 30 ah, minutes to a split yeah. decision. Shoot me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was terrible, really. Um, obviously, these two had fought before, and Dan Severin had, had got the... Uh, no, sorry, Ken had got the win previously with a submission. I think Dan was clearly, you know, to me, the bigger and the better wrestler and could have put it to the ground, but seemed to be fearful to... Um, Dan Seven, it looked like, had obviously done some kind of strike training because he was trying to show off some footwork, but you know, was merely dancing around, not really getting anything that was going to create any productivity on the feet. He was pouring out some really poor shots. Dan Seven weren't pouring out, I'm sorry, uh, Ken Shamrock was barely pouring out anything. He was doing open hand strikes because he had open hands and uh, Dan Seven chose to wear gloves. It, it was just boring and even the crowd was shouting out, boring, boring. And you would That's think the fighters would get the hint. It? It's yeah. not a good look at all, especially when you're doing a whole half-hour fight with no break. Um, I think Dan Seven did hear the crowd eventually, and he decided to shoot in. And things got exciting for a little moment. And fair play to Ken Shamrock. He defended the takedown and reversed it and ended up in the top position and done really well. But it didn't take long before Dan Seven saw an opportunity to scramble back up to their feet and there there was back into this this striking stroke, non-striking format of the round. Um, so they went actually to two extra times. I think there were three-minute rounds the extra times and Dan was clearly trying to, to wrestle up a little more. Um, and in the final uh, of extra time, Ken Shamrock actually shot in on Dan Seven to try to make something of it because I think he felt he was behind and, and even dropped for a leg lock. But 
with time running out, couldn't couldn't get anything in. And the judges give it to Dan Seven, and I think so too because he initiated most of the takedowns that were successful. Um, yeah, it, it it was a, ho- a horrible fight. I've got to say. Uh, yeah, it wasn't great. Um, I felt that Severn won. Um, I gotta say, this isn't the first time we've seen Ken Shamrock be quite boring in one of these super yeah. fights, which is such a shame because he, I've seen him be really exciting and charismatic and aggressive in fights. Um, yeah, but sadly, all too often he was too cagey and worried about losing. Than maybe mm. playing to his strength. Now, who am I to? I'm not criticizing the man. Um, I just sometimes I think it's tricky to yeah. balance that not losing and and going for the win. But I actually feel that Ken Shamrock's much was much better when he was aggressive, looking for a finish or a submission or whatever, than he yeah. was when he was just defending. Because we all know he's capable of defending. You know takedowns or grappling or whatever but what we also know is he's very tough he can take a shot he's capable of finishing guys with his hands and with his mm. submissions so let's yeah, see yeah, that yeah. you know yeah um as well um after i saw this fight, when i was putting it in to try to look it up i noticed that even someone uh, wrote heavily about this in a mma book um about it being the most boring mma fight <laughs> in the world so uh yeah, I think that summed it up completely. That was uh, 36 minutes that no one would want to lose out of their lives to watch something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, just to be clear, I'm not criticising Ken Shamrock too much. Um, I'm just kind of saying that I prefer watching him fight. You know, you, you might have him on the podcast one day. That's why you're... Well, I'm trying, I'm trying uh, he's got a book. There's a book out written about him, which has just come out, and I'm, I am actually trying to get him on. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well I've said you before. I met him. He's actually a really cool guy. Yeah, um, yeah. I have heard. I, that and I think, I think you got you got to remember what fighters' mindsets were back then. You know, everything was still an unknown. Everyone was adapting and changing their skill set. And these two had fought each other before, and um, and, and I think that's why they were both more cagey. They knew where each other was strong. Uh, Ken Shamrock probably didn't want to get taken down and mauled, so he was mm. keeping his striking at bay and. And Dan Seven didn't want to get submitted by shooting in and failing and getting caught up with, with chokes and, and, and leg locks that he knows Ken could go for. So, yeah, they, they probably felt that they were both really big names back then and didn't want to lose face getting a loss to each other. So I don't, I yeah. don't think, I think from a competitive, not that they didn't dislike each other there. I just think there was no love lost from a sporting point of view and competitive mm. point of view. And I feel yeah. like that that was maybe part of the reason why they were so cagey because they neither wanted to lose to each other. Um, yeah. And I feel like that's why that we have got these boring fights between the two because Ken Shamrock does not want to lose to Dan Severin and vice no. versa. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. What it is. Um, so that's it for today's show. That's um, I think we're back to recorded next week, most likely. But um, obviously keep an eye on our... Uh, social media pages and we'll update you with that uh so facebook.com slash ace cast nation twitter and instagram is at ace cast underscore nation please subscribe to the youtube channel which is youtube.com slash ace podcast nation that's the best way to support the show and the channel um also if you're interested in sponsoring this show or any of our other series or the channel as a whole um there's an email address 
uh, which is um, you can either email uh, ace network contact at gmail.com or I've also uh, they've got a, an email through Black Diamond Sports International uh, who represent us because that's uh, how things are going lately. Uh, they've been going very well, I must say. So I thank you all for the support, all for watching, downloading and, and everything you do, getting involved in the shows. Uh, it really helps us grow, spread the word, tell the people, and um, we'll be back next week. Check out live show tomorrow with Cardiff City Chairman Mehmet Dalman. That is going to be such an interesting show. He doesn't do interviews. He doesn't do uh, media. Um, he's agreed to come on because I know someone who knows him. And uh, he's also agreed to answer questions about the Emiliano Sala uh, book, the stuff around that and um, obviously stuff around the, the football club, the current situation in the world, as well as any questions which come up in the live chat. It really will be a fascinating conversation. So join us tomorrow, 7.30, live on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. We've also got Welsh rapper T-Rev coming up on uh, Wednesday. And uh, if anyone would like to donate to uh, me, my raising some money for Mind, I'd be eternally grateful. They do some fantastic work for people who have mental health issues, particularly people who are having a crisis um, and are feeling sort of super suicidal. They do a lot of great work with them. Um, I think we're up to about 220-odd quid at the moment. I would be ecstatic if we could reach 300 by Tuesday. I'd be so chuffed to be able to not only donate my hair to the Little Princesses mm -hmm. Trust, but also donate some money to mind. would be amazing. Um, Danny, you doing anything fun this week? Anything you want to talk about? Oh, not really. I'm not doing anything oh. super special. But like I said, what I've a been boring life stuff. you lead. Oh no, you know what? I've had such a busy life uh, in my 46 years that um, trust me, any chance to sit down and enjoy the sun, I, I will. I'll take it. And and that's really what I've been doing the last couple of days. Yes, that's it, mate. And I'm sure that you'll be back to the grind and the 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 day-to-day -day hullabaloo before we know it. Yeah, um, as I say, I feel like there is light at the end of the tunnel. I'm, I'm getting whispers uh, that, that things can start beginning to move to some kind of normality. I don't think things will be normal for a long, long time as they were before, but I certainly think things will be manageable in the very near future. Yes, indeedy. Um, okay, guys, thank you for watching. Thank you for everybody who's tuned in. Um, I can see a couple of comments in there just saying, great show, great show, what a great show, great analysis, blah, blah, blah. I appreciate all the comments. I appreciate all the people. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for everything. Thank you for all the shares. Can't do this without you guys. Check out Away Day Apparel, awaydayapparel.co.uk. Use the code AA Podcast Nation, all in lowercase, to get 10% off. They are fantastic supporters of the show, uh, and they always do their best to help us get our name out and stuff. So we appreciate them. And, uh, of course, thank you to Black Diamond Sports International as I stall because I'm trying to find the video clip. <laughs> so thank you to everyone. Cheers, Danny. I appreciate your time, mate. And, That's right. Uh, thanks uh, for I everyone really for watching.
Sports Social Podcast Network.